Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Joe uh, and I oversee digital evangelism here at The Message, uh, basically looking at how can we best reach people with the good news of Jesus online. So using things like YouTube and social media, just really simply to preach the gospel. So I really, really believe that online we have an amazing opportunity to reach actually a potentially unlimited number of people with the good news of Jesus. Because social media, right, can be such can be such a place so full of negativity and darkness. And so if that's a place of darkness, then we as Christians need to be in those places too, but to bring the life and light of Jesus. And I, I'm really passionate about this. And um, if you're interested in online evangelism, uh, maybe you're already doing it or just want to know more, I would love um, to connect with you. So let me know um, what you're up to. I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, you might have noticed that we are fastly coming up to Christmas. Uh, and like most people, I absolutely love Christmas. I love seeing f- family and friends. I love buying, and let's be honest, receiving presents. Uh, and I especially love Christmas pudding. There is no way that should be limited to one day a year. It's the best dessert there is. Um, however, I'll be honest, there are some things about Christmas that I do not like. Uh, And these, wow, all right, getting some feedback on this one already. Okay, they're a little controversial. Uh, I'm not a fan of putting your Christmas tree up in November. It's way too early. Wow, all right, all right. I promise you I'm not a Scrooge. Uh, I don't like Brussels sprouts, although I don't think that's that controversial. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, And I'm really, this is controversial. I'm really, really not a fan of Christmas markets. Um... (laughs) Um, let's be honest they're overpriced they're crowded and they're actually a bit rubbish like who wants to stand outside cold squashed by like strangers all around you uh eating a overpriced hot dog that's what it is right it's just an overpriced hot dog just stay at home it's cheaper and it's warmer um But my wife, my wife Ruth, she loves Christmas. Her birthday is in August, and as soon as her birthday is over, she thinks that means that she's allowed to sing Christmas songs, which is clearly wrong. Uh, She'd also happily have a Christmas tree up in September and eat sprouts every day if she could. Um, But... one of the things that she really, really loves uh, about Christmas are those, you know, those little Christmas catalogs um, that you get kind of through the post at this time of year. Um, she absolutely loves uh, those Christmas catalogs. You know, the ones you get from Argos and you get the Tesco one and there's the Sainsbury ones. Or if you're really posh, you might get a Waitrose one. Um and the majority of those Christmas catalogues that come through our door at Christmas time are from what are, in my opinion, uh, those overpriced furniture shops, right? You know the ones I'm talking about. You know the ones who like to charge £100 for a cushion when you could practically buy the same one from Ikea for a tenner. Or the ones that even just like looking at their brochure, you feel like they're going to charge you for the privilege of it. Uh, Anyway, one day in the post uh, comes one of these Christmas catalogues through our door. And I pick it up and I say, it's one of these stupid catalogues, wasting paper, the environment, all that. Uh, But I look at the cover and it reads, Oh, come all ye cozy. Uh, which, as you know, is an alternative take to the well-known Christmas carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And don't get me wrong, I'm as much of a fan of a witty pun-like title as anyone is. 
but this one got me thinking, oh, come all ye cosy. That's, that's really interesting, right? Because I think that's for what a lot of us as Christians, Christmas has become. It's become a time to be comfortable, to rest up, to retreat uh, from the world, to treat yourself. But that carol, O Come, All Ye Faithful, actually encourages us to do the opposite, right? It encourages God's faithful people to go and see the saviour of the world, go meet the one who would change the world, the one born the king of angels. For us to be faithful to God and to come to Jesus, we cannot be cosy, comfortable Christians. For us to be faithful to God, we must lay down our lives, pick up our cross and follow him. We can't just be comfortable with staying comfortable. We need to step out of our comfort zones and be willing to serve him no matter the cost, even if that means doing it at Christmas. And this past month or so, we've been looking at the book of Acts, which is a book full of people serving Jesus and the advance of his gospel, no matter the cost. I find this book so encouraging and exciting, yet at the same time, a little bit terrifying. So much of this book is such a challenge for us as Christians for the way that we expect to see God move. It's a book that should make us uncomfortable and challenge us in the areas that we've just become cosy Christians. This week we're looking at Acts 4 and for context, just before in Acts 3, we see Peter and John heal the lame beggar at the temple gates. After people see the beggar in the temple walking, jumping and praising God, Peter speaks to the crowds and proclaims the gospel. The story then picks up in Acts 4, verses 1 to 22. If you've got your Bible, why don't you get it out? Uh, Acts 4, verses 1 to 22. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest were there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has now become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John they, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And then skipping on to verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go, for they cannot decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I, um, I love the boldness of Peter and John 
in this passage. First, we see them fearlessly preach the gospel to the people in the temple. But then as they're brought before the Jewish council and the high priest, they go again and they boldly proclaim that Jesus has risen from the dead. And the first thing I want to talk about this morning is, are we, like Peter and John, and as followers of Jesus, willing to be uncomfortably bold? And by that, I mean, are we willing to boldly proclaim Jesus's life, death and resurrection, no matter how awkward or uncomfortable the situation seems? What's, what's crazy about this passage is, is that as Peter and John are brought before the Jewish council, this would have been the same council that had condemned Jesus to death. We even hear the names Annas and Caiaphas mentioned. Caiaphas was the high priest who had actually plotted Jesus' death and handed him over to Pilate to be executed. And Annas had been the one who questioned Jesus just after he was arrested, while Peter stood outside that courtyard and denied Jesus. The very same people who sentenced Jesus to death, Peter and John, now found themselves stood in front of. So they knew they were in a really serious position. If things followed in the footsteps of what happened to Jesus, they could be facing imprisonment or even death. To be honest, if I was in this position, I'd probably go and retreat and be like, I'm so sorry about the mess that I've caused. I'm going to retreat, go away and go home. But Peter doesn't shy away. When asked by what power or name they did the miracle by, in a major mic drop moment and filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter answers boldly and he basically puts the council themselves on trial by saying, look, you know that guy Jesus? Yeah, that guy Jesus who you accused of blasphemy and handed over to the Romans to be executed. Well, it was him. It was him who healed the beggar. You may have sentenced him to death, but guess what? He did not stay dead. God raised him to life, and there is no one else in all the world you can find salvation in other than him. Mic drop. And I love, I love the beautiful parallel in Peter's story here. You see, when Jesus was the one being questioned by, at the Jewish council and by Annas the high priest, Peter was scared and afraid of what people thought of him. He was even willing to deny that he knew who Jesus was. Here, though, we see the opposite. Even when faced with death, Peter is unashamed, bold and fearless. And further on in the passage, when the council make even more threats towards Peter and John, telling them to stop speaking about Jesus, what do they do? Peter and John refuse. Isn't that an amazing story of God's transformation? To go from being that scared of what others thought to being utterly on fire and unashamed of Jesus. Because let's be honest, Peter could have never had a boldness like that without God working in his life. Without God, he could have never faced up to the very people who sentenced Jesus to death. But something had changed, right? Something had changed from those months ago when Peter denied Jesus in that courtyard. The gospel had transformed Peter's life. That's the power of de Jesus' death and resurrection. That's the power it has on our lives. It means the mistakes we've made in the past don't have to live with us forever. You see, Jesus took the punishment we deserved for those mistakes and through his resurrection raises us back to life, a brand new creation. We can then be filled with the Holy Spirit, that same spirit that enabled Peter to go from timid and scared to being bold and fearless, even in front of those high priests. So 
Are you willing to be uncomfortably bold, even in the most awkward or scary situations? Remember, you have the same spirit that raised Jesus back from the dead, living inside of you. You are not on your own in this. Secondly, are you willing to pray uncomfortable prayers? Acts 4, it continues in verses 23 to 31. It says this, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through your mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with a great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Peter and John had just seen a few amazing miracles, right? The lame beggar had been healed. They had preached uh, to the people in the temple and had saw the number of believers grow from around 3,000 to around 5,000 people. Then after being thrown in jail, questioned by the Jewish council and accusing that council of killing the Messiah, they are freed without punishment. That is pretty crazy, right? Now, if that happened to me, I would have I've been feeling pretty good about myself. I'd probably go and write my newsletter. I'd probably go and ring my supporters and tell them of this amazing praise report. Uh, I'd then probably message the various Christian WhatsApp groups I'm in, uh, telling them all about it. I'd maybe even write a book. Who knows? Who knows? I reckon I could easily dine out on that story for a good year. And so often, isn't our response to God doing a miracle for us to go, well, that was pretty good. Cheers, God. We'll, we'll take that and then go on business as usual. But that's not what the believers do here. Instead of retreating, they go on the offensive. They pray for more boldness and more signs and wonders. While we'd be just catching our breath, they pray that God would put them in even more uncomfortable situations so they can proclaim his goodness. I think so often when God does something amazing, it can be so easy to just pray prayers of thanksgiving, right? And I'm not saying that that's not important to do. It is. We must take time to thank God for what he's done and to recognize that we couldn't have done it on our own. But let's not stop there. Let's keep going. Keep pressing in. And instead of just praying safe prayers, let's be willing to be uncomfortable with our prayers instead to pray that God would use us, even if that means us going into uncomfortable surroundings. Are you willing to pray uncomfortable prayers? To pray for even more boldness, even if you think you've been pretty bold already. There's this quote I came across that I really liked. It says this, that boldness is not reckless impulsiveness. Boldness requires courage to press on through our fears and do what we know is right. I'll say that again. Boldness is not reckless impulsiveness. Boldness requires courage to press on through our fears and do what we know is right. 
What do you know that you need to do, but you feel maybe too scared to do it? Pray that God would give you the courage, give you the courage to step out, not stopping because you maybe feel it might be seen as reckless or impulsive, but pressing on through your fears into what God is calling you to do. The final bit of the passage, verses 32 to 37, says this. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that, the, um, that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Finally, from this bit of passage, let's, let's be people who are uncomfortable with our finances, to be uncomfortably generous. I don't know about you, but I find this little bit of scripture really challenging. I'm not going to lie, it's probably one of those passages that I kind of wish wasn't there, which means it's probably actually a passage that I actually need to pay attention to. It's difficult, isn't it? And especially when it comes to money, it's something we don't like to talk about as British people. We, We find the conversation topic awkward and guess what? Uncomfortable. But we need to be willing to be uncomfortably generous, to maybe give away more than we had planned or budgeted for. You see, the journey of this passage is is really interesting. First, we see off the back of a miracle, Peter and John, they preach the gospel and the number of believers grows to 5,000. They're then thrown into jail. Peter, then filled with the spirit, boldly proclaims Jesus's resurrection to the Jewish council. They're then released without punishment, spurring the believers on in unison and to pray and ask God for more. Then what happens? They're all filled with the Spirit and proclaim the word of God boldly. You might expect the next bit of the passage, as a result of them being filled with the Spirit, be them scattering off, going to all nations and continuing to preach the gospel. Or maybe you might expect them to go up and set up a Bible college or record a new worship album. No. Do you know what they do? You know what the immediate results of them being filled with the Spirit and being completely shaken They get uncomfortable with their finances. They still proclaim the gospel, but it goes alongside helping the needy and sharing their possessions. My question to you is this. Are you willing to get uncomfortable with your finances? And I'm not talking about going into debt or being foolish with the money you have. I'm talking about are you just willing to share what God has given you? I have... um, five nephews and nieces who are all the age of five and under. And they get into the age where they get really possessive over the stuff that they have. So pretty much guaranteed every single family gathering we have, there'll be a moment where all the kids are playing and there'll be like a toy in the middle of the living room not being used. And so one of the kids, they'll walk up to it innocently, start playing with it. But what happens as soon as they start playing it? One of the other nieces and nephews suddenly unaware, but suddenly become hyper aware that someone is using their toy. Every single time, one of them will march up, take their toy back and refuse to share it with the other person. And then inevitably, the mum and dad is like, you need to share this toy. You can't keep it for yourself. You need to share it. But that's, that's what we can be like, isn't it? We can get so possessive over our stuff when in reality, 
it won't matter in a few minutes' time. How many times does a toddler pick up a toy, get possessive over it, and then forget about it two minutes later? It doesn't matter. What are the things that you're holding on to that feel important now, but in reality won't matter in a few weeks, months, or years? Are you willing to be uncomfortably generous? Are you, or are you too busy storing it all for yourself? So this Christmas time, are you a cozy Christian? More interested in treating yourself and your family, eating loads of food and watching an insane amount of TV? Or are you willing to be uncomfortable? To be uncomfortably bold in the truth of the gospel, to pray uncomfortable prayers that may mean you have to actually get up and do something. And finally, to be uncomfortably generous and share what you have with the needy around you. You see, the early believers weren't being uncomfortable for the sake of being uncomfortable. They had found a greater treasure. Where so much of this world is all about materialism. What can I get? What can I gain from this life? The apostles flipped it to what, what can I give? How can I serve God and the advance of his gospel the most? Because they were living a resurrected life, they knew that the best treasure they could build was a heavenly one. They were uncomfortable because the gospel of Jesus had such an impact on their lives. They could no longer stay still. They had to get up and do something. Only a few months before, Peter stood in a courtyard and denied Jesus. Yet we see him here in the same courtyard, boldly proclaiming the good news. Not because it was easy, but because Jesus had transformed his life. The spirit had filled him and he could not help but proclaim Jesus. Boldness is not reckless impulsiveness. Boldness requires courage to press on through our fears and do what we know is right. And I'm not saying this stuff is easy. It's not. I struggle with every one of those things that I've mentioned today. But as Christians, we have an amazing opportunity to proclaim the greatest gift that the world has ever seen. Why not start, why not start with this your phone. Like I mentioned at the start, I'm passionate about digital evangelism. We have an amazing tool to proclaim Christ at our fingertips. In this room alone and online, if you pulled all our followers together on social media, we probably have thousands and thousands of non-Christians we could reach out to. Start there. Maybe send a non-Christian friend a message asking if there's anything that you can pray for. You could write a new post or maybe even record a video about what you believe at Christmas time. You never know the impact of something even that simple might have on someone's life. And all it takes is you pulling out your finger and posting something. It's simple stuff, but we've no idea the effect it could have. And financially, too, here at The Message, we've had the opportunity to buy toys for children of our grocery members. Why not sacrifice giving a gift to a friend or a family member for the sake of a child who otherwise might not get a present? We have opportunities all around us to be uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes it actually just requires us stepping out and actually doing it. Don't just stay comfortable and cozy this Christmas. Be willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel, for the sake who don't, uh, of those who don't know Jesus yet. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, um, that we don't have to do this on our own. Thank you that um, we don't have to go into uncomfortable or awkward situations uh, just trying to do it in our own strength, God. Thank you that we have your spirit living inside of us, God. I pray that you would challenge us today in areas that we have just become cozy and comfortable Christians, God. I pray at this Christmas time we would be willing to step out into what you are calling us to do. Amen.
Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>